Hi, Bother Brigade. Here's what's bothering me today. Do you ever feel like sometimes reality is a parody of itself or worse, some kind of nightmarish fever dream that doesn't make sense? It's like a sleep paralysis demon and you just have this weird moment of um, disassociation or derealization and you're just kind of looking at what's actually happening and thinking there's no way that this can be real, right? It's unfortunately been that kind of week. Welcome to the Sunday sum up or belated Sunday sum up. And unfortunately, we have a lot of distressing and terrifying stories. So first up, this story comes from Ukraine. So content warning, death. Ukraine is scanning faces of dead Russians, then contacting the mothers. Ukrainian officials say the use of facial recognition software could help end the brutal war, but some experts call it classic psychological warfare that sets a gruesome precedent. So apparently Ukraine is using Clearview AI, a US-based like artificial intelligence service, and we've talked about them before, I think, and you've probably heard about them in the news in a variety of other ways. But what they're doing right now is that because of the whole media shutdown in Russia, they're trying to get around that. So they are scanning, again, the faces of dead Russian soldiers, or at least those that can be identified, right? And then they are sending those pictures of corpses to mothers and fathers and sisters and brothers, like to family members. All in an attempt to, you know, basically try and show, oh no, see, Russia's lying. Look, see, here's your dead son relative in this really gruesome and shocking thing that would, you know, set just about anyone off. And they're doing it just casually because they want to win the war. And so on some level of it's a war and war fucking sucks, I kind of get it. But did no one decide to take a step back and just think, hey... How would I feel if I'm just minding my own business and I get an email or a text or, you know, I see a post on my uh, V-Contact webpage that shows a picture of my son brutally murdered in a war and that's just there being like, yeah, hey, by the way, this is your son. That would be horrifying, traumatizing, and yet they are doing it and it's in the order of thousands. And if you think that's hyperbole, unfortunately it's not. Ukraine has run more than 8,600 facial recognition searches on dead or captured Russians in the 50 days since the war began, using the scans to find the soldiers' social media profiles and send photos of their corpses to their families back home. Ukraine, I know you want to win that war and you are definitely the victim here in regards to Russian aggression, but this is not okay. What the actual fuck is wrong with us? But unfortunately, folks, like I said, it's been that kind of week. It only gets more gruesome and worse from here in a variety of different and hellish ways. Rwanda to take asylum seekers from UK for processing under government plans. Yeah, so apparently over in Britain, they are, you know, so tired and they're so, I mean, not tired, they're very, very sad about all the migrants who are dying in the Mediterranean and in the English Channel and don't you know, they just don't have room in England and things are just so different now because of Brexit, you know, I mean, no, sorry, uh, Brexit's going great, but you know, there's just, we, we just kind of need to get rid of all the migrants and discourage them. So the UK signed a deal with Rwanda, which if people, you know, maybe aren't familiar, 
Rwanda is a tiny East African or Central African, depending on your definition, tiny landlocked state that was rather infamous for its genocide in the 90s. They have signed a deal with Rwanda to basically ship people trying to claim, you know, asylum or migrating to the UK. They will ship them nearly halfway around the world to Rwanda for processing. The idea, simply put, is to discourage anyone from even trying because it means that they're going to be sent to a completely different area of, you know, the continent they came from or an entirely new continent, depending on where they came from, and, you know, sit there and wait for processing. But it's really horrifying that the, like, Home Secretary, Pretty Patel, she has said, you know, well, you know, I don't see anyone else offering solutions. How about you just help the most desperate and instead of allowing ridiculous exorbitant amounts of wealth to be generated and accrued by the wealthiest bastard aristocrats that your terrible turf island has to offer, you tax them a little bit so that you can actually help your average Brit and things get better that way and the economy grows and then, oh look, we need more jobs, so come on over migrants, we got more jobs because look, the economy's doing so good now because we actually taxed the rich and we helped out the local people, which means the economy is flourishing, which means we need more jobs, which means we need more people so that the line keeps going up, so come on over. That would be a solution, you absolute fucking ghoul. But no, instead, it's somehow far more economic to ship thousands of people for having the audacity to claim asylum or migrate to the UK or something else trying to get to the UK. And instead, they're going to be shipped by boat or by plane to Rwanda, of all places. Cool stuff, am I right? That's real efficient and totally not horrifying and a sign of the hellish world that the rich and the wealthy have created and that we are forced to inhabit. But unfortunately, it doesn't get any better. So now, as per usual, we're starting abroad and we're getting closer and closer here to Canada. So now it's time to go to the United States. And uh, trigger warning and content warning for this next one, rape and sexual assault. Convicted rapist Bowen Turner won't serve a day in prison after sexually forcing himself onto multiple young women in South Carolina. Turner has over 50 violations of his house arrest conditions, and if he follows the rules of probation, he won't be registered as a sex offender. So let me get this straight. This dude, who has already violated the terms of his house arrest over 50 goddamn times, and sexually assaulted multiple women already, by the way, on top of the violations of his house arrest. He's still, you know, oh, well, you know, as long as he, you know, holds up the probation, it's fine. And he won't have to register as a sex offender. Even though multiple women have come forward with credible allegations against this piece of shit. Shit like this makes me really wonder about the people who are presiding over the court, right? Like people like the judge, members of the jury, whatever. It's just like... Y'all are sus as fuck for that. If you are looking at everything here and saying, like, if you look at this guy and the numerous instances of sexual assault, then you look at that and be, hmm, that's pretty, that's pretty damning. And then you also see, oh, he's already also violated the terms of his house arrest more than, you know, several dozen times, like more than 50 goddamn times. And you're thinking, well, you know, but if he's a good kid, right? Like, 
It is so goddamn infuriating. And when I see stuff like that, it really makes me wonder that either the judge, someone else in the court, you know, like the jury, the prosecution, someone there in that position of power is like, oh, but geez, like, uh, I've, I've kind of done some terrible and unsavory things towards women. So, you know, we got to let this guy go because what if they come for me next? It just reeks of that. You feel me? And so, unfortunately, if this guy, you know, succeeds at uh, not violating the terms of probation, he won't be registered as a sex offender. Good to know the justice system is working just fucking fine in America, am I right? The only silver lining here is that given his current track record of actions of violating his house arrest, he's likely to not actually uphold the terms of his probation. But again, unfortunately, based on how, you know, they've already reacted so far to this stuff and still given him that chance, I'm not expecting them to really come down hard on him for those likely violations. And that is just so infuriating and sickening. I told y'all this was a rough and wild as fuck week, and unfortunately, we are still going strong in America. So now it's time to see a dude talk about Hitler for a while. 19 and 10. Hitler decided to live on the streets for a while. So for two years, Hitler lived on the streets and practiced his oratory and his body language and how to connect with the masses, and then went on to lead a life that got him in the history books. So a lot of these people, it's not a dead end. They can come out of this, these homeless camps and have a productive life, or in Hitler's case, a very unproductive life. I support this bill, thank you. So that's Senator Frank Nicely of Tennessee with a absolutely wild as fuck homelessness solution just be like hitler homeless people come on now like dude godwin laud homelessness what like this is what i mean by reality seemingly not being like real life and i wonder if i'm in hell and you know like none of that analogy makes any sense right let's break it down a little bit Hitler went down and lived with the homeless to, you know, understand the plight of the lowest of the low of German society and learned how to be a good public speaker and orator. Okay, here's the thing. He could have still obviously gotten out of that, right? He didn't have the same kind of problems with oppression that those people were facing and dispossession. He still could have theoretically gone back to a house. He wasn't suffering, at least theoretically, not... Uh, not suffering anyway, from some kind of crippling mental illness. Like, that is just ignoring some of the main problems that are to blame for the homelessness problem in America and Canada and the West in general. And so he's talking about that on how, you know, look, Hitler learned his, his speeches, how to give speeches, and so these were valuable skills. And then he went on to basically lead the terrible, awful fascist government that uh, killed a great many millions of people or set in action a chain of events that killed a great many millions of people around the world in you know world war ii not sure you want anyone to emulate that right but then on top of that it's all about well you know and so that's a sign that uh, anyone can make it and you can totally get yourselves out of this situation which is homelessness and again it ignores all the previous problems it ignores like the solution as it were it is so unhinged and yet this dude is thinking he's you know somehow gotten one over the opposition and then again right like to, to just the cherry on top of all the ways in which this doesn't make sense he's talking about oh see and you know hitler then became a great leader to his people i mean uh well you know he he kind of led uh you know in, in his case an unproductive life dude that directly kind of negates the 
very weird and terrible, awful and incorrect point you are trying to make. This is a real person with a real paycheck and a real position of power. But anyway, enough about Tennessee. It's time to talk about NFTs. I know demand has dropped significantly for NFTs, but I recently saw the following and I'm sorry, but like, if you haven't seen this, you should, if only to know that we absolutely need to fight back against this. An NFT project focused on evolving virtual healthcare. We are Metaverse. An NFT project with real utility. Working to close the gap between the real world and virtual healthcare. While prioritizing charitable giving. Bringing good to the Metaverse. Founded by docs who love NFTs and Web3. Good people doing good things. Welcome to Metaverse. Yeah, what could go wrong with decentralized healthcare and NF fucking T's? Like, what is wrong with people? Like, not everything has to be a capitalist grip. Just take care of people. Oh my fucking God. Which brings us to the next story. Um, so just to really hit home how terrible a timeline and a world we live in now, especially compared to, you know, the past, someone did a little bit of digging. Yeah, so I just found something super disturbing. This is the National Bureau of Economic Research. It was printed in 1933, and it shows the wages during the Great Depression. Let's focus on the trade, retail, and wholesale. During the Great Depression, it was about $21.95 a week. I was really curious about this, so I put it into an inflation calculator. Yeah, $21 weekly today would be $381 a week. Do y'all know what today's minimum wage pays a week? 290. Workers get paid less for their labor now than they did during the Great Depression. Okay, I'm down the rabbit hole now. How much was a house? $3,900, which today would be 70,909. But the actual average housing median cost is $374,900. Y'all, I am shook. <laughs> I don't even know what to do with this information. We live in a capitalist so we make less money than people during the Great Depression and even accounting for inflation, housing prices are out of control. And like we we work way more than medieval peasants. Like, oh my God, when do we riot over this stuff already? Which I guess now brings us to the next series of chuckle fucks who tried to support fascism in some weird way. CNN exclusive. We need ammo. We need fraud examples. We need it this weekend. What the Meadows texts reveal about how two Trump congressional allies lobbied the White House to overturn the election. So again, links for all these terrible, awful stories will be in the description down below. Basically, the gist of the story is how they went from initially trying to support Trump's efforts to overturn the election to then sort of having a change of heart by January 1st to say, oh, you know, this is actually a really bad thing. Maybe we shouldn't do this. But it's just more undeniable proof that members of the Republican Party tried to overturn democracy because they didn't like the results. That's not democracy. That is not freedom. And I am tired of seeing instance and instance of this being shown and backed up with evidence and people in America not making nearly as big of a stink about it as they should. These people clearly tried to overturn democracy. They tried to create false stories and false evidence of voter fraud so that it would support the unsupportable and the unforgivable. 
Like seriously asking here, why the fuck are people like this not in jail for treason already? But hey, you know, like I said, we're unfortunately living in a reality that is making less and less sense, which with every passing day and moment and every waking hour. So that brings us to the next selection of stories, which content warning, rampant transphobia and transmisogyny and just misogyny in general and uh, threats of violence and murder. So, you know, fun stuff ahead. Republican says civil rights don't apply to gay people. Congressional candidate Vernon Jones said civil rights shouldn't apply to gay people because they can actually change to become straight. So here's the quote in more elaborate detail. Let me tell you, civil rights for blacks and gay rights for gays are two different things, Jones told the former Trump advisor. I don't know what you are unless you tell me what you are if you're gay, but when I walk into that room, you can tell that I'm black. I'm black from cradle to grave. Let's not get that confused, but they can actually change. Okay, so then, real quick, my dude, does this mean now because people can change and you can't tell from the exterior, does that mean I can expect your support on a future potential bill to, say, outlaw Christianity or, say, change the official religion or implement the official religion? Let's make it something that's real scary to y'all, like, um, Islam or, uh, you know, Buddhism because all the hippies and stuff, right? So what if we did that, right? Because, you know, Christians can change, right? Or does that fundamentally go against every core fiber of your fucking being? You're not necessarily wrong about you can't change the fact that you're black. I can't change the fact that I'm Latino. But, you know, that also goes for people's identity and expression and how they choose to identify. I thought we were supposed to be about freedom and democracy and free will and free choice and all that stuff here in the West, right? So, you know, by your logic, people who are Christian can change, right? But I'm pretty sure you as a good God-fearing man would not take kindly to such a thing. So now put yourselves in the shoes of these very people you are trying to kind of do an oppression Olympics with. Like civil rights are civil rights. Human rights are human rights, regardless of who, the race, the religion, the creed, the ethnicity. Civil rights are civil rights. Human rights are human rights. It should not have asterisks and terms and conditions attached. You absolute fucking monster. But like I said, folks, we have several unfortunate stories tied together. So keep in mind the previous trigger and content warnings, because now it's time to talk about Charlie Kirk for a hot second. Charlie Kirk blames trans people for inflation. There's a direct connection to inflation and the trans issue. So we're not even gonna bother delving into that because we all know it's clearly bullshit, but that's just a sign of how terribly awful and stupid Charlie Kirk is. Why does anyone give this man attention or airtime, let alone a paycheck? There are trees that he needs to go and apologize to for wasting the oxygen that they produced. This is just some absolute garbage transphobia trying to like, okay, how can I connect bigotry in the economy? Aha, I am a genius and really like, no, you are not my guy. But this is again, part of a bigger problem, which we're gonna get into with the following story about how there is such a push back against the LGBTQ plus community 
that they are trying to connect any and all problems with them, right? Oh, uh, wokeness, it's because of the gays. Oh, uh, we, we got, like, pedophiles and groomers in bathrooms because of them transes. And, uh, and uh, you know, we, we got to protect them kids. So that's why we're making it illegal to be trans in several southern states. They love Disney and Disney's grooming children because, you know, Disney's all full of pedophiles. Please ignore the fact that this is a conspiracy from QAnon. They're putting chemicals in the water to turn freaking frogs gay. You know, this kind of lovely pleasantness, right? Which unfortunately leads us to the third story of the sub-segment. Blaze TV host jokes about murdering trans kids. How many trans kids did you kill today? Schaefer replied. Uh, six. They come with a toll tag, Landau said. Schaefer, who lives in Texas, was joined by co-host of Louder with Crowder and fellow Texas resident Dave Landau, who laughed and said, Yeah, we all have to put a trans kid and drag him behind a truck. They come in a tackle box, it's like a half dozen, and you kill them any way you want. It's pretty good. Only in Texas, though, Landau continued. I didn't know that because I've been killing them everywhere, so I better stop. What the actual fuck is wrong with you? Yeah, man, you know, I just, you, you gotta kill conservatives, right? You gotta, you gotta thin the herd. There's just too many of them around these days, am I right? Oh, wait, what? We're supposed to apply for licenses to kill conservatives? I just do that all the day. All lives splatter, am I right? Killing conservatives is funny, right? Killing Christians is funny, right? This is why right-wing comedy is not comedy and it just fucking sucks. So, you know, this is just the unfortunate reality of all this abuse and hatred and bigotry being directed against the LGBTQ plus community. And it's resulting in stuff like this. It's trying to normalize abuse and violence towards them. And that should not be okay under any goddamn circumstances. And I'm not seeing, again, nearly enough pushback against this stuff, which is sadly real life. But now it's time to bring things north of the border, here to good old Canada. And I really love when the government and our own media give me plenty of ammunition to work with about why we're also a neoliberal nightmare state. Canadians too anxious about the future to enjoy the vibrant present, say economists. Focus on rates, prices, and calamity make it hard to relish Canada's good fortune. Good for who, my dude? We can't afford homes. Wages are depreciating. Inflation is up everywhere. The amount of good jobs and potential retraining, not exactly available for everyone. Never mind all the other issues people care about or have anxiety about, such as, you know, the climate crisis. So yeah, we're not going to focus on stuff that makes economists all warm and tingly on the inside because life objectively sucks for millions upon millions of Canadians right now. You absolute out of touch ghoul. But he is not the only ghoul out there. It wouldn't be Canada without talking about the number one ghoul in charge right now, Justin Trudeau. Documents obtained by the breach reveal the Trudeau government commissioned a poll that tried to manufacture low support for defunding police. Then media outlets amplified it. Yeah, turns out, government poll tried to skew public opinion against defunding the police. Documents reveal Public Safety Canada, in consultation with RCMP, manufactured lower support for defund the police movement. According to government documents obtained through access to information requests, several poll questions relating to police were vetted by the department's policing partners, including the RCMP. Correspondence between department officials and environics show the government succeeded in introducing pro-police bias into questions or scrapping ones they found unsympathetic. 
Oh, you know, just the government casually manufacturing consent and not representing the will of the people. Hey, wait a second. I thought we were in a representative democracy, right? Coming on the heels of an earlier Ipsos poll in 2020 that made waves for showing that a majority of Canadians support defunding the police, including overwhelming majorities of young people, the department's exercise turned out to be a PR success. The government poll was not immediately released publicly, but was reported on as confidential by Ottawa-based Blacklocks reporter, which claimed it found the largest number of Canadians want more police funding, not less. The reporting was picked up by major newspapers across the country last summer, with headlines like Most Canadians Against Defunding Police and Study Public Says Don't Defund Our Police. Despite having introduced pro-police bias into the questions, the full poll results, which Public Safety Canada quietly posted online a month after the initial coverage, show public support for defunding the police was in fact high and was misrepresented in the media coverage. The highest number of Canadians, 30%, supported less funding for the police or abolishing them entirely, while only 28% wanted more funding for police, contradicting what was reported by Blacklock's reporter. So that right there is the government deliberately setting out with the RCMP, who should be abolished by the way, and that will be a video in due goddamn time. They work together to create sympathy for police and pro-police questions and manufacture goddamn consent for a poll that was then amplified by media, which still didn't tell the full story and misrepresented the data and tried to present a false narrative to Canadians. These people are not on your side and they will absolutely lie to you as we've seen for the pandemic, for defunding the police, for, you know, look at the job numbers. Please don't look too closely at them. All these terrible, awful things, right? That's what government and police and the media do. So can you really say that we live in a democracy when the government deliberately sets out against the will of the people that they claim every day to represent and then our final cherry on top story for this hellish week was the following observation from two major companies here in canada canadian tire loblaws pay executives millions in bonuses after pandemic successes so while millions of canadians are still struggling post-pandemic the wealthiest decided to pay themselves bonuses for a job well done. This was after Loblaws already engaged in price fixing and rescinded uh, pandemic hero pay for their workers. And while Canadian Tire was initially one of the few stores that was open for people to shop at, same with Loblaws, right? You know, essential services and all that. So they made a killing but they're still not adequately taxed. They haven't paid their workers terribly well. They exposed their workers to COVID, especially as they lifted restrictions too early. And they've rewarded themselves for a job well done with millions upon millions of dollars in bonuses, rather than actually help the workers and struggling Canadians that you will see them put out ads about how we want to hear from you. We care about you. We rely on you. Come on. We we're like, family right like i can't even put into words how much it pissed me off that the people who we called heroes for being essential workers and frontline workers were so brutally mistreated at the start and at the middle and also here as we are hopefully nearing the end of the pandemic it's shameful and disgusting and we honestly should have had a revolution over it at some point especially as we saw oh look they're essential well then maybe they should you know gone on strike and gotten together and then actually forced the uh companies and governments to intervene and pay them more and actually help Canadians instead of the 
abysmal results that we got. But that's again, just the capstone to this long and horrifying week of news that makes reality seem like a parody or a nightmare of sleep paralysis proportions. Every single one of these stories was real. Like th this wasn't April Fools, right? These were all real unfortunate stories talking about real people and real actions taken by individuals and businesses and governments and judges all just to make the world a worse fucking place. I know we've talked about good news on here before and there has been good news from April. We're going to get that video at the end of the month, but this was just nightmarish to go through and see that this was real. All these horrifying stories from home and abroad are real. These are real people doing real terrible awful things impacting the lives of hundreds if not thousands if not millions of people who are then in turn turned into victims and innocent bystanders of all the terribleness to follow when is enough going to be enough for people we recognize we're living in a dystopia and yet we have people like economists saying come on you know you're way too down look at all the good stuff that's happening and we have people saying no you know what this is actually totally fine saying rational behavior or a fine rational sentencing for a piece of shit it is so unreal when do we finally say enough is enough none of these stories are okay or justifiable and yet they happened I keep wondering what's going to be the magical straw that breaks the proverbial camel's back for, you know, America, Canada, the West. And yet I keep thinking, oh, maybe this will be it. And yet, you know, week after week and month after month just kind of becomes more and more horrifying to the point that it gets to this point and it still looks like there's no change in sight. That is not only disturbing and horrifying, but it's definitely what's bothering me today.